Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by our senior pastor, Neil Haney. For more information about our church, visit our website at vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. I'm really excited about this morning. Uh, I've, had this, I've had this sermon on my mind for uh, a number of weeks now. And um, I, I can't wait to just unpack what I feel like the Lord has given me. But I want to pray, and I want to do something that I did a few weeks ago that um, I just felt like I should do it again this morning. Paul prays for uh, the church in Ephesus, and he prays this beautiful, beautiful prayer. And um, he starts out in, in chapter 1 praying this prayer and then chases uh, holy rabbits for you know, a number of verses and then at the end of chapter 3, he comes back and finishes that prayer. And so I kind of took that and consolidated it into to one, one prayer. And I'm just going to pray this over us this morning as we begin. Glorious Father, give us your spiritual wisdom and revelation this morning so that we might grow to know you and the Lord Jesus more fully and more intimately. We pray that our hearts would be flooded with light so that we can understand the confident hope Christ has given to us, his holy people, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Do you realize that you're God's rich and glorious inheritance? We get all that he has, and he gets us. I'm not sure that's a fair deal for him, but that's great. Father, creator of everything in heaven and on earth, I pray that from your glorious unlimited resources, you would empower us with inner strength through your spirit, Lord. Empower us with inner strength through your spirit. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would make our hearts more and more your home and throne as we trust in you. We pray that our roots will grow, grow down deep into your love and the sure foundation of your love would keep us strong. May you give us the power to understand as all God's people should how wide and long, how high and deep your love is. And may we experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. And may we be filled completely with all the fullness of God. Now all glory to you, God and Father, for you are able, through your mighty power at work within each one of us and us together, to accomplish infinitely more than all that we could ever ask or imagine. Glory to you, Father, in our lives, the lives of our families The church, this church, Northridge, the church of Springfield and Clark County, and through Jesus Christ, through all generations forever and ever, amen, amen. It's interesting uh, that some of the feedback that I've gotten from people that have recently connected with us is that the church... Uh, this church feels like home, and uh, I, I really love that. I, you know, I, I don't quite understand it, but I love it. I, I just really love it, and uh, I, I've kind of been reflecting on that. So, so people that have come once or twice say, you know, this, this church really feels like home, and uh, uh, that blesses me beyond words, but you know, I've, as I said, I've been reflecting on that, and, and I, a number of years ago, I heard this really good teaching by a guy named Baxter Kruger on, on the word home and on the concept of home, and, and, and Baxter basically says this. He's like, 
the word home is, a, is, a, is, is almost um, kind of a spooky word. It's, it's, kind of, it's, it's really powerfully emotionally charged. It conjures up all kinds of, of thoughts and feelings and emotions as we, we think about it. The, the mere mention of the word home, and we kind of wax nostalgic. We kind of, we kind of begin to, to think about things that, that our hearts long for. And so he, he uh, you know, as I was hearing him teach this, he asked the group that he was teaching, he said, what are some words and thoughts that come to mind when you hear the word home? And uh, this is basically what he came up with. Safety and security. Home is a place of safety and security. Home is a place of acceptance. Home conjures up the, the idea of closeness, of interrelational closeness. Any of you guys resonating with this? Yeah, yeah. Home is a place of belonging. Uh, I, I just, I remember uh, when I was in college, uh, my parents moved off and left me. I probably would have still been living at home had they not left me in North Alabama and moved to Richmond, Virginia while I was in college. And I was kind of in the middle of things and I couldn't move with them. And the plan was for me to move to Richmond after the school year was over. But it was my junior year in college. I only had one more year, and I'd, I had changed high schools between my junior and senior year, and I just didn't want to repeat that, you know, that kind of deal. So I decided to go ahead and, and, and go back and, and, and finish my college years in North Alabama. But I remember visiting my parents at spring break uh, my senior year, and I, I just remember uh, when I, got, when I arrived, uh, it was about a seven-hour drive from North Alabama to Central Arkansas where they were living. And a uh, big shout-out to Central Arkansas for you guys from Mena. We have some people new in our church from Mena, Arkansas, which is just up the road from where my parents live. Um, I remember getting there, and my parents had taken a walk, and I pulled up in the drive. We lived at, they lived at kind of a circle at the end of a drive and, um, and a little cul-de-sac. And I remember getting out of my car and, and looking... Uh, the door, the, I could see the light coming through the door and, and just so welcoming. I'd driven for seven hours. I was tired and ready to be at home. And um, I heard voices and I looked up the top of the hill and my parents were walking down the hill toward me, holding hands. And they had taken a walk after dinner and uh, I, got, I, I arrived a little early and I just remember them coming and just embracing me and just kissing me on both cheeks at the same time and and it was just a moment. I'll never forget it. It was dusk. It was beautiful. It was, you know, like early April. And it was just a moment I will never forget. And I felt all these things. I felt home. I felt acceptance and closeness and belonging. I felt loved. And I felt love towards them. It was home. I was home. And I felt cherished. I mean, everyone should be able to experience that. And one of the things that Baxter Kruger points out to this pe- he says to this people, he's like, how many of you experienced home like that? And only about half the people in the crowd put their hands up. And he says, but how many of you think this is what home should be like? And everyone put their hand up. And then he says something kind of cruel. Who told you, you people that didn't experience this, that home should be like this? Who told you that? And they're kind of like... I don't, sorry, you know. But he said, God has written 
this into our hearts. There's Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, God has put eternity in the hearts of men. That familial feeling of home. Even if home was not home-like, people still feel like it should be. People who lived in codependency, people who lived in abuse, people who lived with, with addicts, people who never were loved and embraced by their parents, their father, their mother, or both, still expect, believe that there's a, such a place as this, and they should be there. And so as I, as I thought about that, I thought about, wow, um, why are people coming here and saying that? I mean, your, your home is like where you live, right? Why, why should the church feel like home? And there's some good reasons for that. Because it was intended to be. It was, it was intended by God to be home. So home should be a place where if I summed up those, those several different characteristics, a place where we belong, which is, includes being cherished and loved and, and celebrated and, and accepted. It should be a place where we belong. And church, church should be a place where we feel like we belong. And I hope to God that every one of you feels that way. Whether you do now, maybe this is your first time here, or your first time here in a while, or, or uh, maybe you've been here for 35 years. I, I just pray that this place would feel like home. You know, this is the reason why it should feel like home. These are the one another's of the new covenant. I just, uh, I just pulled this list. And these are, this, this is less than half of them, by the way. But I love this list. Okay, let me just run this down for you real quick. The love one another's of the new covenant. There's, there's 30 something one another's. But listen to this list love one another, be devoted to one another, honor one another, build one another up, or build up one another. I'm sure you're not supposed to end a sentence with a preposition, sorry. Accept one another, care for one another, serve one another, forgive one another, bear one another's burdens. Be kind to one another. Comfort one another. Encourage one another. Show hospitality to one another. So I expect an invitation to dinner here pretty soon, guys. Pray for one another. And I love this last one. Clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. That sounds like what home should be like. Now, now there are some other another's, one another's, some other one another's. Exhort, you know, like, like uh, uh, yeah, ex- exhort one another, uh, you know, hold each other accountable. I mean, there's some things that, you know, but it's all still family because discipline is part of home. And in fact, and I'm saying this again, I said this last week, if you're not disciplining their children, they're not feeling safe and secure. We got we to gotta discipline our children, folks. And I'm not talking about being mean to them. I'm talking about lovingly correcting them when they get off. Here's another scripture. As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved by God himself, our Father, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. 
Why do we need to be told to bear with, we, with each other? Because we always function in the spirit, right? We, we're, we're always loving, joyful, peaceful, patience, kind, right? Always. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> and forgive one another. Why would we need to do that? If any of you has a grievance against someone, uh, you know, for, forgive them. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. That's a big one right there. When, whenever I'm tempted not to want to forgive somebody, I remember how the Lord forgave me. Uh, honest confession. Um, this week I, I met with a couple. Um, something had come up and uh, we had a talk. And it was early and I was tired. And um, I was not in a good spirit place. I was functioning a little bit too much in the flesh. And I feel, I, I, it says, uh, let me just forward this again here because I want to see if this is where this is. Over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together. We're going to see in a moment not to grieve the Spirit in living in the flesh and hurting one another and this sort of thing. And I, I felt like after that meeting, I was grieved in my spirit. I was just grieved all day long. And later that day, I texted... Uh, and I said, my heart has been heavy after our meeting. I was, the spirit was grieved. Um, I'm sorry if I came off arrogantly or accusatory this morning, and I would like to try to talk things through again. Blessings. I, you know, I, I would love to stand here and tell you that I always function in the spirit, and I never, I never screw up, I never blow it, I never lapse into the flesh. But my family would tell you quickly <laughs> that that's not the case. And so I had to own that. I, I had to ask forgiveness. And, and we have talked again. And, and, uh, and we're still talking things through. Uh, you know, sometimes it takes a while to resolve things. But, but, you know, that's what we do. Because we, we have, Paul is telling us this because we don't always function in the Spirit, in the gifts of the Spirit. And we just have to own that stuff. And we have to, we have to bear with one another, each other. And, and I, I'm really hoping this, this couple will bear with me for being a bear. Uh, and, and forgive me as Christ has forgiven them because, you know, that's how we, we function. So I just want to put that in. So anyway, uh, I want to talk about something here. Um, a few years back, I went up to, a, uh, up to Ashland uh, Seminary to, to a, a training seminar. Uh, it's where I learned some of, some of this integrated healing stuff that I'm, I'm teaching now. And uh, Terry Waddle was teaching on, on uh, uh, you know, uh, how Jesus heals us and how, how we, we move in healing of, you know, our, our wounds and so forth. And he talks about how churches can wound people. And he talks about the closed-set church. And the closed-set church, I was really fascinated with this. This is a whole teaching unto itself. But the closed-set church, you can see these people kind of standing in a circle like they've circled the wagons. I like that graphic. I don't know where I found it. But anyway... Um, Basically, this is what the close-set church looks like. So these people actually are outside the close-set church, and they're trying to, they're trying to penetrate into the inner circle or, or at least be accepted into the church. And here's what the close-set church basically says. If you look like us and act like us and believe exactly like us and dress like us and talk like us and pray like us, then... Uh, 
and eventually become like us, then maybe we'll let you into our club. Yeah. I hear some, some, <laughs> some of you may have experienced that. Um, that that's the close set church, and, and that's not what God intended. He doesn't want the church to be a club that we have to perform and earn our way into. That, that's not what, what, what we want here. That's not what we want. I want to show you the kind of church that I'm, I'm really wanting to, to pastor and, and lead in. And that is the church together on a journey. Um, and so here, here's what the church together on a journey looks like. Um, I want people here who don't know Jesus. I want people who get over the thought that if I enter the doors of a church the ceiling might fall in on me. How many of you ever heard that? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, if I, oh, I can't come to your church, Pastor, because if I came through the doors, the ceiling, the roof would cave in. Well, I've never seen that actually happen, and we've had a lot of people that didn't know Jesus come through these doors. What may happen is the Spirit may fall on you. That would be a good thing, right? But the pre-salvation, investigating what it would mean to become a follower of Christ. That's really cool. And I love the fact that that we've had people come in and feel comfortable just to be here for a while before they finally decided to make a decision for Christ. You know, they're a part of the family too. Amen. They're a part of the family too. too. I feel like they're the, the child in the womb, so to speak. They haven't been born yet. They haven't been born again yet. But they're, they're on the journey. And then there, there's, uh, you know, when salvation comes, we become followers of Christ. We're born of the Spirit, and we begin to walk in the Spirit. But we do this with baby steps, with faltering steps. Our children, you remember your children learning to walk. They would get up, they'd take a step or two and fall. And they'd get up and take a step or two and fall. Some churches don't have the patience for that. What's wrong with you? You're born again, you ought to, you know, buck up, straighten up. You know, fly right, do the right thing, stop doing the wrong thing. Come on, what's wrong with you? And it's our place. It's our, as, as fathers and mothers and older brothers and sisters, it's our place to come alongside them and say, here's how you walk. Let's take these steps together. Let's do this together. That's why discipleship is so important. And guys, I really want to see a discipleship, you know, upgraded and, and, and really ramped up in our church. And I think we can do that. I really think we can do that. I think I'm looking at people, lots of people, who have the capacity to take a younger Christian under their wing, under, under their wing, and begin to love on them. And you know what discipleship really is? It's, it's, it's life-to-life transference. It's being with people, having conversations. It's not so much what we teach and what we do in a book, but it's more... I hear you. I struggle with that too. Let me show you what I did. Let me show you the mistakes I made. And just walking with that person along the journey from one step to another to another. That's how it happens, guys. And then sanctification is just becoming like Christ in all ways of life and love. And I finally arrived there um, this week, actually. <laughs> I just told you I hadn't, okay? I'm just kidding. Don't pick up any stones yet, okay? Um, so, the church on a journey equals home. The church together on a journey equals home. Does that make sense? So, we're doing this thing together. 
we're loving each other, we're encouraging each other, we're forgiving each other, we're bearing with one another's bad breath and smelly feet and those things. We're, 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 we're walking alongside each other. We're, we're doing everything that we can to, to love each other and to serve each other and to bless each other and to, and to get along with each other, you know? So, so, so home should be a place where we get along. <laughs> home should be a place where we get along. You know, that's really the goal. Uh, Paul says again in Ephesians 3, 1 through 8, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you received. You know, live what you received. Be completely humble and gentle and patient. There again, bearing with one another. He says that a lot. You know, he wrote to some knuckleheaded Christians. I think First and Second Corinthians should be First and Second knuckleheads. These people were really a piece of work now. I'm telling you what. They were coming out of major paganism. One of the things that he had to get on to them about is that those who were rich or, or could get off from work early would come to these love feasts, and they would eat all the bread and drink all the wine that was for communion, and it would all be gone by the time the other people showed up for communion. And they would be getting drunk on communion wine. It's like, Paul's like, what are you doing? You know? And so, and so we really do have to be humble and gentle and patient and those of us, you know, Paul says, I think it's in uh, Galatians uh, uh, chapter 5, um, early, no, it's early part of 6, where he says, guys, we, we need to be very gentle in correcting each other because we too can fall into sin. We too can be stupid and, and foolish and say things that are hurtful and do things that are, are hurtful and, and not loving. And so we just need to be humble about that. We need to be really gentle. You know, Jesus says, before you take that speck out of your neighbor's eye, get the plank out of your own eye. I was trying to do eye surgery this week with a big plank sticking in my eye, and I, I, I had to repent of that and have to ask forgiveness for that. I hate to be a bad example, but, you know, that's what it is. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. The bond of peace. It's really important. I want this place to be a safe place. Home is safe and secure, right? Amen. And we, we should be able to, to come and, and be here and not have to put on the happy church face. You know, we, we walk in and we stick the mask on. How are you doing? Oh, praise the Lord, I'm doing great. Praise the Lord, I'm doing fine. Praise the Lord, I'm doing great. You know, the true church, it says, confess your sins to one another. I want this to be a place where we can actually confess our sins to one another. I just took a risk. I just confessed a sin to you guys. I, I just, home should be safe. Home should be a place where we love each other, we embrace each other, we accept each other. We keep the spirit, the spirit of unity and the bond of peace. Do not let any unwholesome word come out of your mouths, but... Only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Everything that we say should be building people up and blessing people and lifting them up and encouraging them. And occasionally we do have to, to give a word of correction, but it needs to be done in humility and gentleness and love because we know that tomorrow it could be us on the other end of that, right? And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. That's what happens when we do those things. Why I felt so bad all day, Tuesday, is because I grieved the Spirit. And the Spirit and my Spirit are one. He lives in me. And, and that pain I felt was the grief of my Spirit and His Spirit grieving over something that I had done. 
that hurts someone else. And so we do, let's don't grieve the Spirit. And when we do, let's be quick to ask forgiveness. Because this Spirit has sealed us for the day of redemption, man. Guys, we're on a journey. We're heading someplace. We're heading someplace. And so Paul says, get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be compa- kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another just as Christ, uh, Christ and God has forgiven you. So, so uh, home should be a place of, of belonging and a place of, of um, where we get along. But it should also be a place that we move out from. You remember I told you my parents moved off and left me. It was really for my good that they did that because I don't know if I'd ever left home. You know, I was, I was very happy there. I had three squares, you know, and, and uh, you know, that they no rent to pay. And, and I love my mom and dad. We had a good relationship and all that. But, um, but I would never have left the nest had they not moved to Richmond. It was the best thing that could have happened to me because I finally got a chance to be an adult. <laughs> finally got a chance to be on my own. and finally got a chance to grow up and, and, and actually be, um, you know, an adult doing my own thing. And it was really good for me. I want to show you a scripture. Home should be a place we move out from. We don't just stay at home. We don't just stay in these four walls and love on each other. As Rich Nathan once said, a pastor at Vineyard Columbus, he said, uh, sometimes churches can be like a, a box full of, uh, of uh, uh, re- uh, like um, uh, Labrador Retriever puppies just licking each other and, you know, rolling around on each other, you know, and just staying in the box and never, you know. He's like, he's like that's great for Sunday mornings. Let's, let's let that be Sunday morning. That's great, you know. And small groups, you know, do that. Love on each other. Just be together and love on each other and have fun and... And, uh, you know, enjoy each other. But, but then there comes a, a time when we've got to move out of the nest. We have some robins that are living above the light right above our garage right now. And, and those, those, uh, those adult robins are tired of feeding them. And, and, you know, we saw, Deb saw them a couple days ago over in the neighbor's yard. And the mother was, you know, r- running around the yard with them behind her. And she's trying to teach them to feed themselves because it gets old, you know. Somebody told me, one of you told me about the eagles, how they get rid of their eaglets. They, they make the nest really uncomfortable and really uh, like holes in it where they fall through and stuff. And, and so they're like, oh, oh, look, you fell out of the nest, you know. And they have to learn to, you know, to, to fly. So like we got to get out of the nest at some point. And so, and so home is a place we move out from. Why did I do that? Okay, here we go. So now listen to this. This is the disciples after the resurrection. I love this. This is so human nature. This is so us. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, they were together. On the evening of the first day, Jesus had risen from the, risen from the dead, and I think they may no. That this was the first time they saw him. This what this this little uh, vignette here is the first time they saw Jesus after resurrection. And the disciples were together with the doors locked. For fear, and you can fill in the blank, in this case of the Jewish leaders who had had Jesus crucified, for fear that they might be rejected by people that they were talking to about Jesus, for fear that they might pray for someone to get well at Kroger and they might not get well, for fear 
that if I go and do something, I might not do it well, or I might look foolish, or I, I, I might say it wrong, or get it wrong, or do it wrong, or even if I do it all the way right, someone might not think well of me. So I'll just stay in the church and be a, a box of puppies for the rest of my life. On, the, on that first day of the week, the evening of the first day of the week, and the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear. <laughs> Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. See, that's, that's the good part. We have Jesus with us. We have Jesus with us here. We have Jesus in our, in our connect groups, our small groups, our, our study groups or whatever. But we also have Jesus here. And then we go out together here. I love ministering two by two. I'll tell you a quick story. Micah Level and I, uh, Micah loves to go out, walk the streets of Springfield, do evangelism, pray for people's healing and stuff like that. Some of you know Micah, really great man of God. Uh, he's written several books. He's, he's really a gift to Springfield. And uh, so I, I was absolutely determined to spend some time with, with Micah and to go out. So my very, this is my very first time out with Micah. <laughs> we met at the house of prayer. We prayed for a few minutes, and then we, we decided to drive over to... Uh, uh, to the south side, and, and we ended up really close to where Deb taught school for a number of years, where Emerson Elementary School used to be right behind Old South High School. And so Micah, I, I got matched up with Micah, and I was really, really you know, like, I'm, I'm with Micah, this is cool. And we're walking down the streets, and, and because Micah's there, you know, and he's, he's accustomed to this, I felt pretty safe. And uh, so we prayed for a couple people, you know, blessing people on the porch, and and, and, and suddenly we, we got to the street and we looked down and there is a fight brewing in the middle of the street. And we're probably a dozen to 15 people like, and this is heating up fast, like uh, voices are raised. In it. And so Micah turns and starts heading down towards the, the, the ruckus. And I'm like, what are you doing, you know? So I'm like, okay, I'm... I'll follow you. You know, you seem like you know what you're doing. And Micah, there's, not, there's nothing in him that says fear. He's just walking. Just He doesn't even slow his pace. I'm like, can we just kind of like, you know. And he's like, he's just walking up, you know. And this guy is like cussing this girl out. And, and he's getting like, he, he takes his shirt off, you know, and he's getting all. And uh, <laughs> Micah walks right up in the middle of these people and says, Anyone here need prayer? <laughs> I'm like, I'm with him. I'm with him. And somebody goes, it's the, it's the police. He goes, no, no, no. We're not the police. We're Christians. It's okay. We just want to know if anybody needs a prayer. Well, the dude that took his shirt off was booking out. He was just, he was booking down the street. He was gone. And the girl that he was cussing out said, yeah, I'd like some prayer. And so Micah walks over, and he says, how can I pray for you? And so she tells him, and, and people start gathering around. And I'm not sure why they're getting closer to us. You know, I don't know if we're about to get beat up or something. But anyway, we're surrounded by these people. And, and Micah says, uh, have you ever been born again? He's got the worst evangelism approach I've ever seen, but it works somehow. You know, have you ever been born again? And she's like, no. He's like, do you know what that means? She's like, no. He's like, would you like to know? She's like, yeah. So he explains it. It's even worse than the question. He tells the story of Nicodemus, and I'm like, what are you doing, dude? This is not going to work. And she's like, yeah, I want to do that. And about five other people say, we want to do the same thing. So we end up praying for like six different people to get saved. We start laying hands on people and releasing, you know, stuff over them and all stuff. And 
We're, gosh, stop it, Neil. We're walking away. So the crowd disperses. There are a couple, you know, a few people standing in a circle kind of talking about what just happened. As we're walking away, the Holy Spirit is, where that fight was starting, the Holy Spirit is just like, Phew. Micah turns and says to me, Neil, we're not peacekeepers. We're peacemakers. Boom. Peace be with you. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. That's good. But they're still just hanging out together, you know? And then, then Jesus drops the bomb on them. Again, Jesus says, peace be with you. Guys, you've got to understand, my peace is with you. As the Father has sent me... Think, think about that one for a minute. What had just happened? They arrested him in the garden. They beat him. They put him on trial. <laughs> they, they, they turned him over to Pontius Pilate. He had Jesus scourged to a piece of ground beef. They nailed that ground beef to a cross, and he died there. And then he has the, you know, the, this joyful news. Guys, guess what? As the Father sends me, has sent me, I'm sending you. Yay! You get to do this too. Did you know that every single disciple, except for John, well, of course, Judas committed suicide, but all the rest of the disciples were martyred. Peter was actually crucified upside down because he requested that, because he didn't feel worthy to die the death his Savior had died. John was the only disciple that wasn't martyred for his faith. Do you think the disciples were jumping up and down for joy when he said, as the Father sent me, so I sent you? I think there was a little bit of, can we keep these doors locked for a while? I just think we need just to hang together here for a little bit longer. Jesus gave a great commission. Go into all the world. Get out of the, you know, pray the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into the harvest. And by the way, you're the laborers. You're the ones that are supposed to do this. Home is a great place to feel, to feel like you belong. Home is a great place to be loved and cherished and and to be able to love in return. It's a great place to, to try to exercise the gifts of the Spirit and get along. But it's also a place to move out from. And guys, as we move into the future together, I want us to get out of the nest. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about our church, visit vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge.